This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, here we go. We do a podcast on a Thursday. Now, I did say uh, yesterday that I wasn't going to do one. I figured kind of take a break. It's enough. I should do five to six and then the six to ten with Boomer and Geo. It's, uh, it's too much. But I got to thinking, Eddie's here. I got a couple things I'll get off my chest and I figure, why the hell not? Hi, Eddie. Hello, podcast people. And I didn't pull the lazy, you know, I love when Al does this, but I love the give me questions for Eddie. Yeah, um, which yeah. I do enjoy because some of the questions are really good, but I figure I'm not going to do that. This this thought came up to me. I figure who better to ask because you're a odd type of sports fan, but a sports fan nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Fakakta football that you yes. like to say, but when your Dolphins are on Monday night, you're not staying up to watch. No, because sleep is more important, which I agree. But it hit me last night as I'm sitting the year. I'm sitting there watching the Nets completely drop dead in the fourth quarter. Why do we care so much? Yeah, I, uh, I, I sort of passed that point in my life. I about, thought I did too. Yeah, I, there are times when I will get legit upset, but they're rare. Um, but it happens still. It, it still does happen that we. Yeah, I, I can't explain why it is that we get so wrapped up in something so ultimately meaningless. Uh, completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about, and I guess this is where I struggle with it, when you actually think about what's going on in your day-to-day life, mm-hmm. I understand that it can be the quote-unquote escape for a few hours, sure. which I don't really care for that anyway, because when the few hours is up, guess where you're right back to? You didn't yes. figure out your problems. No. They were just waiting for you. Yeah. But you can have so much crap going on, and then you will get wrapped up into five guys in terms of basketball, nine guys in baseball, whoever it is, football's got 11 guys on the field that ultimately don't know you and don't give a crap about you, and in a lot of cases don't really care for the organization they play for. It's just a paycheck. Yes. They don't care for the most part, and yet we do. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic, especially with, like you said, what everybody goes through with their own lives, their own personal struggles, Uh, because as good as you can have it, there's always something that, you know, perplexes you, bothers you, troubles you. Um, even for the the people who are the most fortunate among amongst us, and then there's the the world problems, the planet problems. It's just there's so much stuff 
and yet we get legit upset about nonsense. Uh, utter nonsense. I read this morning before I actually got in the car, because I always check the headlines before I make my way in, and I saw Russia successfully did a test uh, launch on an intercontinental ballistic missile mm -hmm. that has the capability to carry a nuclear bomb here. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I was just upset four hours ago that Kevin Durant couldn't put an orange ball in a metal cylinder. Mm -hmm. like, and then as soon as I stopped thinking about the missile and what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and all that, I was right back to, as I was getting set to do five to six this morning, I was back to annoyed and like, what? it's just, it's too much. And I don't, and don't misunderstand me. I don't ever want to get to the point Al's at where he just is completely apathetic. Is that the right word? Towards sports? Uh, just doesn't care? Well, he, he, but, but yet he gets upset about the salaries and the cable. Right. And but I mean, that. I just mean in terms of the results. Yeah. Living, yes. dying, having to watch a game. Yes, correct. Being annoyed that he can't watch a game because right. your wife made plans to go here with the fan. You can't get out of it. That's what I mean by not caring. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't ever want to get to that. Yeah. But I feel like we probably should. And we really shouldn't look at it as anything more than watching your favorite series on Netflix. If you miss it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. But I can't do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a difference between a live sport and an unknown outcome and all that stuff. So, you know, there's that element to it that, that adds to people's feelings about it. But it's, yeah, it's just one of many silly things that we get upset about and hung up on and you know think about the things that uh, couples fight about ultimately it's like what what are we doing well or, ultimately everything you can yes. make that case for is what are we doing because yeah. the end result is going to be the same for everybody correct that is uh, that is correct so, why not enjoy as much time as you can while you have it yeah follow your bliss as uh, joseph there, campbell said there i don't know who that is the, i know who's joseph campbell i'll bite uh, oh, he is just uh, a, a guy who back in the 70s uh, had this series of books, The Hero's Journey, and about myth and the, its place in our culture and what it means and, and why it's important to society to have myths that, you know, you sort of... No, we're not real. Yeah, but they're sort of uh, an ideal with that you try to model yourself after and their, their place in in the development of of society it's a which is interesting you say that because that's where huh, i'll probably get myself in trouble for saying this but that's where and you've asked me before about you know sending my kids to catholic school mm -hmm. i don't believe that there i really don't believe yeah. that there's something above us right I, I sadly if there was i don't think we would have famine in parts of the world like of we course. have we wouldn't have a country just destroying human beings mm -hmm. right now in another part of the world. You know, the Holocaust would not have happened. There's no reason for a two-year-old to have brain cancer, things of that nature. But you've always asked me, then why do you send your kids to Catholic school? And I, I don't want to say it's a myth because I do believe Jesus walked the earth. I just don't know that he walked the earth and walked on water like the <laughs> right. stories say. And then got up after he was dead. That too. Uh, yep, that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. and, well, you know, took a glass of water and all of a sudden they had jugs of red wine. I don't, yeah, don't right. know that I believe that either. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of the teachings, oh my which gosh. is very similar yeah. to what you're talking about. Yeah, like I've always said, I, I love 
the the message of 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 Christ. You know, be uh, kind to others and love your brother, turn the other cheek, all that. So that's a wonderful message of of peace, which some sects of Christianity sort of turn and co-opt and bastardize and turn it into God knows what. But the ultimate, you know, the pure message of Christ, you know, the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at that, what it says there, the Beatitudes, that's, I'm all for all of that. Right. But and, not all the other bullshit. And then it, and then it morphed into, when you talk about myths, the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and yeah. <laughs> things like that that yeah. we need in our society. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I, you know, I don't know this, but I also think because now I feel like every month it seems like there's something that's been created that you have to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really think about what we deal with on a month-to-month basis, like I saw a friend of mine talked about having to go Easter shopping for their kids. I'm like, oh, Walgreens, some candy. They're like, oh, no. No, no, no. We were thinking of getting an Xbox. I'm like, for Easter? Yeah. Like, when did Easter become this giant uh, gift-giving holiday? Yeah. Not like Christmas, but pretty close for some people. Sure. Yeah. And and these uh, these lavish um, graduation ceremonies oh my and God. parties and one-year-old birthday yes. parties. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, a one-year-old birthday party, even for me, and I know you can, you can point to Sal, who... Did it for his mm-hmm. daughter and also ripped it <laughs> at and the G- same time. Geo too. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so Geo as well. I didn't know that. I'm not that much older than them. Joseph's just turned 12. He didn't just turn 24 or 34. And I look back, and a one-year-old party was getting the grandparents, my sister and my wife's sister. That was it. Yeah. A cake. Let him open a couple of gifts All from right. his grandparents. And that's the day. You get a little cake. You put the little one candle on it and see ya. But that's not that long ago. And no. now it no. has, to use your word, morphed into these gigantic events. Like what? Joseph said to me, so he turned 12 two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Uh, about, t- yeah, about 10 days ago, something like that. Whatever. A little while ago. And we were talking about we did the similar type thing. We hadn't had a gathering at the house since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. We did do Christmas Eve, but it was scaled down, and half of us did get COVID, as it turned yes. out, including mm-hmm. myself and my other son. Um, so this was really the first time we kind of did it carefree, I would say, but we were keeping it outside. So I said to him, I said, listen, we're not doing much for your birthday, but we are going to invite the family over. We'll play cornhole in the backyard. We'll get some subs. Not going nuts. Um, and I'm getting you your new baseball bat. Like, that's your gift. And he's the, I promise you, he's the nicest kid mm-hmm. in the world. To which he turns to me, and this is where we're at now, and goes, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I just have one request. I said, sure, what's that? He goes, the cake. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. I always request for my birthday, my wife and my mom back in the day, now my wife, to just make the golden yellow cake with the chocolate icing, yeah. homemade. It costs $2. That's my request. He goes, do you know which cake artist we're going to use for it? What? <laughs> I was driving. What? With, I said, dude, I'm sorry. What did you just say? He goes, have you and mom picked out a cake artist yet for the cake? He goes, because I'm thinking. I'm like, okay. I'm like, where is this going? He goes, I'm thinking one part. 
can be a basket can be a cake that looks like a basketball. He goes then the the other tier can be um, a baseball tier with maybe a yes with maybe a bat and those can be on top of a skateboard cake. Oh my god! I said Joseph. I said I, I was thinking cornhole. We'll go to Carvel for thirty bucks and get an ice cream cake. I said I'll make you a deal. I'll take pictures of a basketball, a baseball, and a skateboard, and I'll send it to them, and they can scan it right on top of the cake. And he goes, oh, okay. He goes, because Joey, his friend, had this ridiculous cake. I said, listen, I don't care what other people do. I care what we do. He goes, okay. Well, then the picture will be fine. And that's what we did. But I was like, what is happening? A cake artist. Yes. I've never heard of such a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we, ironically enough, a friend of ours, his sister, is a cake artist, and she is phenomenal she can do anything with making cakes layers wedding cakes sports it is cool but they can cost you a fortune sure a couple hundred dollars I'm oh sure. my god and again he's a good kid once i told him we'll scan a picture and put it on the ice cream cake he's like, that's fine like there was no he doesn't argue he doesn't he's like that's fine i'm like so later we were hitting in the batting cage in the backyard i'm like so i just gotta ask you i'm like were you serious about that cake artist thing he goes yeah why I'm like, wow. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. My God. Think yeah. about what we're talking about. And, and also think about all these parties and things that I guess, I, I, listen, I don't know, but the majority of people do, I guess, these days. Now, yeah. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Right. But still, how much disposable income? People complain about how bad it is, but yet I have no they're, idea. they're blowing money. Eddie, I say this to my wife all the time. You know, I make more money than I ever thought I would in this business. And and granted, we put it on ourselves by sending them to private school. Sure. And we do a couple of things that certainly tax the checkbook. I could be living a hell of a lot more comfortably than I am. There's no question about it. A lot of it's on us. But I do well. I know that I make significantly more money than some people that are living like they're a, a Trump kid. And I don't get it. Yeah. New cars every three. And I don't mean, like, I got a V. You know what I got. Mm -hmm. I have a car that I bought used for $17,000. Yeah. I'm talking $35,000 cars every, and I probably lease them, but the lease prices are still expensive as hell. And I don't get it. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand. Yeah. And I, I guess they're have a lot of, they're carrying a lot of debt, I guess. You have to be. You have to be. Because otherwise, it makes no sense to me. And I carry none. Zero. Well, you also have the benefit, whatever the proper word is, not having the kids helps. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, that has been. Yes. Yes. That is one thing. I've always said high schools, I can only talk about the one I went to, did a bad job of preparing you for life. Like, no one ever taught me how to do a checkbook. No one ever taught me about retirement savings. No one taught me about how expensive it will be when you have, when you get married and have a kid and the costs that are associated with it. It is insane. And now you want to talk about spending money. You get to the kids now at six, seven years old with the youth sports. Yeah. Uh, We have friends. They have three kids, high level soccer players spending 10 to $12,000 a year on each kid for soccer. Yeah. That's not. That's not. Uh, that's after tax money. That's not before tax money. That's right. deductible. It's insane. And youth sports. When I was growing up, was me and my friends finding a field somewhere and just pick up baseball. 
That right. was youth sports. And it, well, and if you were lucky, you would sign up for your little league. You'd yes. play 12 games. One of the dads would coach and have or, one practice a week. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you don't practice, like my team, if we don't practice three days a week. You can't compete. And play 50 games a year. It's like, what, what are you doing? Right. And that's on the low end. It's the money. The money has gotten out of control in so many different ways. But and nothing costs. You ever notice this too? Nothing costs a couple hundred bucks anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, you need this. Oh, that's gonna be four thousand dollars. <coughs> like what? I mean, when you said when you said before, and you said it just you know matter of fact, and I know that it is now. $30 for an ice cream cake. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. For a Carvel ice cream cake? Yeah. 37 actually. They used to be like 12 bucks. Yeah. It's 37 bucks. Yeah. Now, not, I'm not talking about the big giant right. sheet, and I'm not talking the small circular one yeah. either. Normal. One that's for, I think, 15 people. Yeah. A very normal size ice cream cake. Yeah, it was 37 bucks. Yeah. I, it's just, everything is it's just stupid. How about what the, I told this story to Al. I said, my, my cat almost died mm-hmm. two years ago. And unfortunately, it was right after our kitten did die from cancer after 12 or 13 months. The the feline leukemia. Yes. Yeah. Um, She died. She was 13 months, 14 months. She dies. And we got them together. And then six months later, our other cat collapsed on the kitchen floor and couldn't get up. So I rush rush him to the vet at 9 p.m. on a work night. Mm -hmm. And I was there until 1 o'clock in the morning. They couldn't figure it out. Long story short, that was a four-day vet stay that cost us $4,800. Yep, I know. I still have a balance of $1,750 on my Chase card yeah, for that. I I'm like, I can't just give you $5,000. Yeah. Like, my God. And when uh, when Harley, like the year before he passed from, you know, a situation where they it was nothing they could do, year before that, we spent soup to nuts. $18,000. I believe it. Because you're not just going to let them sit there and die. Correct. And I don't have children. I don't have debt. So did it hurt? Sure. But I was happy to do it. And right. you had another year of life. For sure. But I didn't It's have- easier. But it is easier because you don't have that next. Correct. And now I have pet insurance after that. Which I will get probably at some point with the next round of pets we get. Yeah. Because I've learned the skyrocketing costs of yep. it. Even just going for the checkup is $250. And the, med- and the meds. But that too. Are, yes. you know. Like it's almost human-like. You can't put them on your, you know, OptumRx plan. I, I know. Believe me, I've thought about it. <laughs> you try. When I had a diabetic cat, I was like, man, I, I take insulin. Why don't you just Why don't you be? jab it with yours? Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. I'm sure. I oh, didn't. insane. But I thought about it. All right. Well, I, we got to go. It's, All right. it's 1030. I appreciate you coming in. My pleasure. Wanted to get that off my chest. Okay. Um, What else? All right. We'll do the so Here's what we're going to do. Warm-up show, I think, will be next. I don't know. Maybe it yes. won't be. It yeah. will be? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did it solo. I got a lot out on the nets. I had to. Felt good to do that. Tomorrow is a Friday. Lepresti's working for me. I'm working for Boomer. Mike's working for Al. I talked to Spike. I will do the warm-up show with some semblance of Mike and Lepresti involved as well. Cool. So that will be tomorrow. And that will be the uh, post-game podcast tomorrow. There will be no no this form yeah, yeah, post-game. Exactly, exactly. So the normal Friday situation. There you have it. Um, I don't do the whole see a thing. That's, uh, thank you. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Right, here we go, it's 5.02, it's Thursday morning, Thursday morning, the Eddie Scazzeri, what is up? Mike Flegelman's in there too, not sure what he's doing, but I think he'll be with us today, and of course, Al Dukes is off today, uh, he's doing nothing, he is home, I think he's going to smoke weed, some weed, yes. weed, weed, that is the goal, the goal for him is to go find himself a weed dispensary and smoke some weed legally, so you know what, Al? Have a blast, get the munchies, smoke your weed, enjoy yourself. So a little bit of a different warm-up show this morning because Al is not here. And we do have a bunch to get to. We'll get you to Boomer and Geo at 6 o'clock. But, you know, I understand the Nets aren't the most popular team in this city. However, we are at the NBA playoffs. And when you set up and you watch three hours of NBA basketball last night, as I did, and was very much looking forward to this game last night, because, you know, I was curious when I sat down and watched this game. Nets go to Boston. We know the storylines, of course, from... From Sunday, Kyrie Irving, the fans, and he went off, and and I mean went off and played well. I don't mean the the two middle fingers. I mean played his ass off and was outstanding, and the Nets had a game that they probably should have won, and I think if Kevin Durant plays well on Sunday, they do win that game. That said, still had a chance to win in the end. They don't make a play defensively. Shocker, as I would say, uh, and they wind up losing that game and really didn't make a couple of plays defensively on Sunday. It wasn't just the go-ahead and game winner at the buzzer. It was also the play prior to that after uh, when the Celtics decided to go for the quick two, and the Nets just opened up the, uh, took out the red carpet and just let them right down the lane, score easier. So you go, they lose a game they should have won. It's a game, you know, when you've got two games on the road, you figure, hey, you get one, you come back, you're in command of the series. So then you go back to, to last night now, and the conversation is, well, the Nets had a chance to win the first game. Let's see if they can turn it around. You've got two of the best players on the planet Playing in Boston, so you've always got a chance to win, despite the fact that the Celtics are the one seed and the Nets haven't really played together all that much. You've heard the narratives. As Boomer will tell you, a lot of guys get paid not to play. Well, last night, the Nets come out firing, but it was an interesting start because in a game they wind up losing, which we'll get to in a second in terms of why, you look at Bruce Brown came out, the kid from Boston. He is on fire to start, wanted the ball, had the ball, took the shots, made the shots. Nets go up 9 nothing in a blink. He's got all nine points. You say, that's a pretty good start. Along the way, when you think about this net team, you say, well, there's Kevin Durant, there's Kyrie Irving, and then who? Who's going to step up and be that third guy while we wait for that third guy to decide he's ready to play? So last night, you didn't have just one. You didn't have two. You had three guys step up. You had Bruce Brown. You had Seth Curry. And you had Goran Dragic. Now, at different points in this game, they all did something different and all made contributions offensively. The problem, however, for the Nets, even though they built that 17-point lead in the first half, you never felt comfortable because the Celtics, at least in my opinion, were still playing really well defensively, and they were missing a lot of open shots. And you're thinking, at some point, these shots are going to fall. But glass half full, I'm thinking, you're getting nothing out of Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, 
Nothing. The two of them. I mean, you really had one of those off nights for both of them. You're thinking if one of them can find their shot in the second half with what they're getting around them, they've got a really good chance to win this game and get back to Brooklyn 1-1. And so here's where you get to where the Nets lost this game. Now, this is a very strange comparison, but let's go with it anyway. In the 1990s and the early 2000s, when Joe Torre was the manager of a star-studded Yankee team, a lot of people would criticize him and say, well, what does he really do? They've got so many great players, of course they're going to win games. But the one thing, even if you didn't like Joe Torre and you weren't a Yankee fan, the one thing you would always, 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 always give Joe Torre credit for was managing stars and personalities. It was what Joe Torre did inside that clubhouse that kept the team together, that kept them insulated, and kept them winning. He didn't have to do a lot because they were so damn good. Yes, they spent the most money, but who cares? They went out, they played by the rules, they won games, and Joe Torre was the perfect leader of that group. Now, maybe you could make the case they should have won more than they did. Sounds crazy, but that's probably true. So now let's fast forward to what I see out of a net team last night, and let's talk actual basketball here. Because in two games, while the Nets had a chance to win on Sunday and had a chance to win last night, the Nets have not won both games. And I hate to do this. I really hate to do this. But it's true. They've lost both games because their coach has been outcoached by the other coach who used to coach with their coach. I mean, let's be fair and honest with what we're watching. The Celtics look like they know what they're doing. The Nets don't. Offensively, there is no offense. It's dribble the ball, give the ball to the two stars, and see see what happens. Now, yeah, they got some guys in space. And, yes, I said you had three guys make contributions. But when guys are running out and double-teaming and triple-teaming Kevin Durant, and the answer is to continue to dribble and throw a bad pass, there's nothing happening. And I got to tell you, it's boring. And I give the Celtics a lot of credit, which pains me to do it because – Numbnuts is going to come in dressed like a damn leprechaun again today, which I can't watch for four hours. But you know what? They've earned these two these two wins. And last night, while both teams were physical, I thought Andre Drummond gave great minutes inside when he had to. I thought Seth Curry played with toughness, had the flagrant foul for sure. The Nets played hard. I am I am not saying they didn't. But when you look at what the Celtics are doing on the offensive end to what the Nets are doing on the offensive end, it's just different. It's just different. I watch the Nets. They call timeouts. Nothing changes. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's the same offense. And if Kevin Durant's going to go 0 for 10 in the second half, and why is he going 0 for 10? You tell me right now. And But believe it or not, we will take a couple of calls if you'd like. 877-337-6666. Why the hell not? I'm here by myself for an hour. If you look at the way Boston is defending Durant, he is being harassed on every single set down the floor, which is the right, right thing to do. So I ask this. Where's the adjustment? Something. Anything. And I see nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, you want to say, well, you know, they did make an adjustment. They didn't give up as many offensive rebounds. That's true. They did rebound a little bit better. I also didn't see an as an aggressive Celtic team crashing the boards in the first half, though, as I saw on Sunday. Now, they had some critical offensive rebounds in this game, but not nearly as many as Sunday, which is why I think they won Sunday, which was a big part of why they won Sunday. And one other thing as to why the Celtics won this game, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, 
Grant Williams. Who the hell is Grant Williams? Grant Williams came off the bench last night, had a perfect night. When the Nets were building their lead, when the Nets had the lead, it was Grant Williams in that first half, in my opinion anyway, that kept Boston from being run out of the arena because there was a chance there in the first half where the Nets were playing. It really felt like once they got up 9 nothing, 12 whatever it was, 12-2, and they had that double-digit lead, it was like they had that double-digit lead the entire first half. And credit... You know, it's funny because I'm sitting there thinking I went to I watched the game on my nine. I didn't want to watch it on TNT. If it was Kevin Harlan or Ian, I would have, but it wasn't that crew. It was Stan Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy and someone else. So I'm like trying to find the game. I knew it wasn't on yes because the uh, Yankees were on yes. And my thought was, is it possible that Ian's doing this game? Uh, probably not because of the playoffs. And then I I had the Yankee game on at 6:40. I'm like, interesting. So Ruko's doing the Yankee game. Ian's not going to be a like who the hell's doing the net game? And so you turn it on, and it was Sarah Kustak and, and Michael O'Grady. who They were great. But what was interesting, the Nets are up by 17, I think it is. It's middle towards the end of the second quarter. And I think it was Sarah that says, "Gotta, they've played great, got to finish this half out strong. And right on cue, what do the Celtics do? 8-0 run, get it to 9, Nets hit a 3, Celtics come back, hit a 2. Now, they get to the locker room up 10, but in that moment, as she basically said with a couple of minutes to go in the second quarter, as well as they have played and having gotten nothing, aside from free throws, they've gotten nothing from Durant, nothing from Irving, you're thinking if they can take this large lead into the break and then you come out in the second half with a 15, 16, 7, who knows, stretch the lead to 20, maybe, just maybe, you go out there and you win the game. And no sooner than she said it, they go on that stupid 8 nothing run, and the game changed from that point forward. Now, the Nets come out in the second half. They hit a couple of free throws because that's all Kevin Durant was doing last night. And then in a blink, you get the 10-2 or the 12-2 run, and you're, you're thinking, boy, oh, boy, there is with the way that they are playing defensively in terms of Boston and in terms of what Udoka has done and what the game plan was, you were nervous going to the fourth quarter if you were a Net fan. If you were a Net hater, you were probably loving it. And what's also disturbing is once the Celtics took the lead and once they stretched it to beyond just a couple of points, you know, you had the one jump shot by by Irving, you had the nice pass by Durant to Bruce, but there was there was nothing. There was, God, that you're just looking at them like, guys, do you draw up anything? And, you know, I know they worked out at Harvard for two straight days. They had two days to think about this. Two days. And that was the game plan last night, which was nothing was absolutely nothing. And that whole comparison before, I probably didn't do a good job of finishing the thought, was I think Steve Nash handles this group well. I do. And that was the whole theory and thought with what I was talking about with Joe Torre. But X's and O's wise, as great as a player as he was, what did they do for two days? Because the, the game plan and the scout cannot be, it just can't be, to take the ball up the floor and play isolation basketball Every single time. And it's just, how many times are we going to give the the ball to Nick Claxton or Andre Drummond? It's like they've got two hands of stone. As soon as they get it, where's the ball going? I can tell you where. I can tell you. They're looking for number seven. It's so obvious. And Durant's posting up 30 feet from the basket. Oh, God. Just as a basketball fan, that was awful. Just awful. 
And another thing about the NBA playoffs, and we'll talk in a minute because the the Joel Embiid shot was ridiculous, and what DeMar DeRozan did last night was outstanding as well. And there were some good games for sure. And and last night was a good physical game. But, and this is not a net thing. Do not misunderstand me. This is not a net thing. This is a NBA basketball fan thing. Can someone please tell me why the difference in the regular season to the postseason is so incredibly obvious with the way they're officiating these games and with the way they're letting these guys play? I mean, you got guys, both sides, Boston and Brooklyn, getting mugged on plays, and they let crap go. And then you get that nonsensical, you know, drive to the basket, guy takes a little swipe, and you get the N1. But it's okay to give him a forearm shiver or wrap them, and we call nothing. And, and I, I don't know what the answer is because both teams shot a million free throws, so they are calling fouls. But to me... That is based on how you start officiating the game in the first quarter. If you're going to let stuff go early, guys are going to start hitting. And then you start calling the fouls, and it's like it turns into a slow, I don't want to say boring. It's not boring, but there's no rhythm to it at times. It's just that's not the same game that we just watched from November through March. It's it's simply not. That is a different game. That game is more reminiscent of 1990s-style basketball, though the points were way up. But these guys, man, they're out there killing one another. And it's just, it's different. So, I don't know. I look at the Nets coming back. They always say, until you lose on your home floor, nothing's decided. And it's, you know, they haven't done that yet. But here's the little secret on the Nets, if you weren't paying attention. The Nets suck at home, to be quite honest. There have been times this season when you were more comfortable with them going and playing on the road than playing at Barclays Center. Not much of a home court advantage. There hasn't been all season. You know, this isn't 1996 where, you know, you had 41 home games and you kind of figured your team was going to win at least 30 of them. Not that easy anymore. And for whatever reason, and you can't tell me it's the crowd because the crowd at Barclays Center has been loud this year. They just have not been a very good home team. Give Jason Tatum a lot of credit for what he did last night. I know he wasn't good offensively, but he made a couple of big shots down the stretch when he had to. Al Horford's a pain in the ass. You're going to say it's 16 points. Maybe, but he hit some big threes in big spots. And this Celtic team, you know, I was thinking of this too. The Celtics, I think if you ask most people, I really do. I think if you ask most sports fans on the street, who's the one seed in the Eastern Conference? I think it's pretty obvious in the West. Most people are going to say Phoenix. You might get a couple of people that say the Warriors just because of Steph Curry and the whole aura of the Warriors. Okay, fair enough. I think if you ask most people on the street, sports fans, casual sports fans, and people that are not watching the NBA every night, who's the one seed in the NBA's Eastern Conference? I think most people would say either Philadelphia or Milwaukee. I do believe that. I think the Heat would be so disrespected in that conversation. And then the Celtics, too. Well, the Heat and the Celtics are 1-2, and from what I'm seeing... The Celtics are playing every bit like a one seed. It's two games, season series, not over by a long shot. But so far, the Celtics look like a one seed in the Eastern Conference. That is a group that plays together. They play hard. They rebound the ball. And and that's another thing I'm reading. Well, the size size advantage. Oh, nonsense with the size advantage. For Christ's sake, Kevin Durant stands 6'11". He's supposed to be the best player on the planet. 
Okay, so there's a couple of different spots. Seth Curry, 6-1. Fair enough. You find him in space, he makes shots. Bruce Brown's not the biggest guy in the world. How did he do last night? So enough with the size difference. Want it more. Play harder. Defend a little bit better. And for the love of God, draw up something on the offensive end that looks like some semblance of an offensive play as opposed to five guys standing around playing schoolyard basketball because it doesn't work when you go up against good teams. And the Nets are finding that out. You realize Kevin Durant, and I got to look this up. Mike, maybe you know, maybe Eddie, you know, I know you watch SportsCenter. Can you think, did they make any mention of Kevin Durant going 0-4 in a second half ever in his career? Worst half of his career. Most field goal attempts without a made one. Kevin Durant was 0-10 in the second half last night. 0-10! I mean, oh, man. It's it's 8, so so do the math here. Durant was 4-for-17. Kyrie Irving was 4-for-13. They were 8-for-30. 8-for-30. And the other thing, the turnovers. I mean, again, coaching, there was one play where Durant's backing in. He's in the lane. And I don't know, I think, I don't know, was, I don't know who it was. It was Jalen Brown. It might have been Tay. I don't know who it was. He's got one guy defending him. Another guy, but I'll take that. I mean, my God, and it leads to an easy break and an easy two the other way. So, whatever. Just a bad night overall. We're going to take a quick break. It's 518, a lot to do. we got Boomer and Geo coming up at 6 o'clock. We'll do a little bit on the other basketball games just because I want to talk about Embiid for a quick moment. What That shot he made last night was absurd and really quite skilled. Also, a lot on the Mets because there were a couple of things last night not to like. I know they lost the game. Whatever. They're 9-4. and four. They'll be fine. But uh, And the Yankees wound up winning a game last night, too, and a very bizarre play in college baseball, which we will discuss as well. Warm-up show. Al is out. We take it to Boomer and Geo at 6 on the fan. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 523, Alan Jerry, Al is out. He's got a long weekend, and as it turned out, he wound up scheduling nothing. He did look into going to Phoenix, as we discussed, I think, on the podcast. I don't think we did this yesterday. Uh, I know you probably listened to Eddie, but he did look into Phoenix. Airfare was $1,000 round trip. And what was really interesting is the airfare to Florida was over $600. Now, I know it's last minute. I get that. But $600 for a very basic airline ticket where you were only allowed to carry on. I don't know. Well, you might no, no seat choice. That's what it was. Not even a seat choice. They'll put you anywhere they can. 600 bucks. And by the way, that's before fees and taxes. So you're probably talking, talking more like $650, 660 um, So he is home probably up because he doesn't sleep. Um, and I think today is his weed day. So we will find out. I know he's going to take a social media break, as he told me on the podcast yesterday. He will be back on Monday, and he will have, let's put it this way, when he comes off of a vacation, and this isn't a vacation, but he's got extended time off, he usually has so much to say. As I told him on Monday, I might just open the show and then go back out in the newsroom and start working on 
the 630 report with the guys because he is going to have lots and lots and lots of topics. All right, so we do this solo till 6 o'clock, Boomer and Geo then. Um, I know I started with the Nets. I won't kill you too much on it, much more on it because it was what it was. But I'll tell you, when you, especially when the alarm goes off at 2.30, and usually I like to watch the first half and then kind of watch the second half when I come in in the morning. But I stuck with that last night and – you could feel, man, you could feel that fourth quarter. Once it got away, it was gone, uh, and they weren't getting it back. 877-337-6666. Before the baseball, one other thing. Um, the M- If you have not seen the Joel Embiid game winner last night, just keep in mind that this is a seven-foot behemoth of a human being who is, yes, he can shoot the three. I'm not saying he can't. We know that. But he really is just a fantastic back-to-the-basket type of old-school center, plays hard defensively, can shoot free throws, which is impressive. A lot of bigs can't. But for them to have that possession that they had last night, I'm talking about the 76ers, where they were really doing not much of anything in the overtime on this one specific possession, for Doc Rivers to call, I think it was Doc Rivers that called timeout from the sideline, if not one of the players did, with nine-tenths of a second to go on the shot clock. And this is what I'm talking about in terms of just coaching. He, with nine-tenths of a second, figures out a way to free up Embiid. Now, you want to say they freed him up 25 feet from the basket as opposed to seven or eight feet from the – fair enough. But he gets Embiid free for a wide-open – at least the angle I saw was a wide-open look, a turnaround jump shot that he buries. And I'm thinking, man, that is MVP-like. Now, we know he is an MVP finalist with Giannis, of course, uh, and I think Jokic, the the three – Uh, finalists for the award but you talk about having confidence in your guys and understanding time score situation and to get him an open look like that where he just had to catch turn and shoot man that's doing something special and give the bulls credit because they went in milwaukee last night so they even that thing up if you would have told me before the day for real yesterday if you would have told me before the game started that one of those teams was going to win one on the road last night, uh, not the Sixers, but I meant the Bulls or the Nets. I would have taken the Nets 10 times out of 10. I really thought they had a great chance to win. All right, so they don't. We move on, whatever. 2-0, game three. We got to wait now. That's the other thing, too, with these two days in between of two days of nothing, meaning you're not playing every other night. Now they got to sit on this until Saturday at Barclays Center. Ugh. I mean, God, you're just thinking and replaying. I know it's. I know they'll tell you move on, and they will. But you know that they're replaying things in their head over and over and over again. Yankees win in Detroit last night. So you say, all right, well, the Yankees win in Detroit. They should win in Detroit. No question about it. A couple of things along the way. One, Miguel Cabrera with not one, two, but three hits. So he's at 2,999. And this is a guy who, you know, you watch him from afar. He's not the same player he was, and yet he can still kind of get it done. He is... One hit away from 3,000, assuming he's in the starting lineup today, which I cannot believe he won't be. Jordan Montgomery will be on the mound for the Yankees. When he gets that 3,000th hit, he will be just the 33rd player, I believe it is, in Major League history with 3,000 hits. So you applaud that. You know, we've killed the Yankees. Not me, but for the most part, this radio station has killed the Yankees for the first couple of weeks of the season because they are more of the same. Wait for the home run. Don't do a whole lot. Otherwise, uh, the pitching has not been bad. I mean, yes, Garrett Cole has not been an ace for sure, but the pitching hasn't been bad, but it just hasn't been good either in a lot of cases. 
And last night was a weird one. So you get Isaiah Connor Falefa gets the big hit late. He had a couple of hits on the night. You do get Rizzo giving you some offense at the home run. But how about Luis Severino? That second inning, and this is where you give the Yankees a lot of credit. The second inning was one of the more bizarre innings that you will see because Severino was not good in that inning. And the the Tigers had base runners. They scored at least one in that inning. And I'm, I do apologize if some of these uh, if some of my thoughts are a little incorrect because I was really watching the net game at this point, I kind of stuck on the second inning of the Yankee game. But you had the the throw from Stanton in right field, which was just a laser on one hop. You had the play to end the inning. It was almost as if, and I think Ruko even said it at the time, it was almost as if Severino got through the inning without really retiring a batter. And then he kind of settled in. Yeah, he gave up a few runs, but he wound up going three. Good work by the bullpen again. And the Yankees... You know, when all is said and done, this is the fascinating thing about killing the Yankees the first week of the season, which I understand watching them and saying, you know what, they're not as dynamic as we thought, and the big guys aren't doing what we expect, and the pitching isn't as good as you want it to be. But at the end of the day, the Yankees are this terrible start, that this so-called terrible start that they've had. They're 7-5. and five. And they're right there at the top of the AL East 12 games in. It's not like they have gotten out to a three and nine start. They're not four and eight. Hell, they're not even five. They're seven and five. They're right there. And you could kind of say they're, they're kind of working their way through their early season issues. And if they can work their way through early season issues and come out on the other end where they're at right now, then they're fine. And they're going to get better as the season goes along. My one concern with the Yankees would be their best player. I, I would think most would say is Aaron judge. Now, Aaron Judge, we know the contract he turned down before the season. A lot of people think he shouldn't have accepted the offer. I'm kind of with Brandon Tierney on this one. I look at his age. I look at what they were offering. I look at, and I don't count this year. A lot of people say, well, you know, they were going to lowball him with the $17 million this year. <laughs> lowball him, please. That's what he's getting. And it'll go to arbitration. Maybe he'll get a little bit more. Fact of the matter is they offered him over $30 million a year. And if the argument's going to be, well, you know, they gave Garrett Cole $36 million, he should, it's a different, it was a different circumstance. It was a different time. It was a different need. One wrong, don't make this right. It just doesn't. And that was a bad contract because they, the Garrett Cole they signed is not the Garrett Cole they've gotten due to rules changes or whatever the case may be with the whole spider tack and all that. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good pitcher for them, but right now so far, he has not been ace-like. He just hasn't been. So just because you spent too much money on one guy doesn't mean that you do it for this guy. And I do, I really do believe. Offer, think about this. Could you imagine being offered a quarter of a billion dollars and saying, nah, I'm good. What happens if Aaron Judge goes out this year? And I, I did hear this conversation with BT and, and Tiki yesterday. What if? Aaron Judge is in his own head a little bit, knowing he needs a big year to get that big contract. And what if you got a season from Aaron Judge where he's fine, he goes 25 home runs, he drives in 93 runs, and he bats 260? That's okay. That's good. I'm not giving him $35 million a year off that. He ain't getting any younger. And that's the other part of this that no one seems to want to take into account. That $31 million a year 
was $31 million a year, even in his latter seasons of his career, when the production might be down, when the production might not be what you would think it would be this year, next year, the year after that. So that would be my one concern for the Yankees is, is what type of season do you get from Judge? I don't ever, I've never gotten the sense that Judge is the type of guy that puts pressure on himself or too much pressure. I'm, there's pressure for sure, but I don't get the sense that he's going to drive himself out of a big season. I really don't. But you could see it happening because the numbers are so out of control in what he turned down. And there's also the fact that there are some semblance of Yankee fans that probably are annoyed that he didn't take that contract, and I'm sure he hears it. But all in all, the Yankees are 7-5. and five. The Yankees are fine. You know, no one in this division, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, um, even the Rays, not one of those teams or the Yankees have gotten out to a big start. Not one, and certainly not the Orioles. Oh, did you see this, Eddie, real quick? Did you see the attendance for Orioles A's yesterday? Okay. I'm going to give you an over-under, over-under A's Orioles attendance, not at Camden Yards, in Oakland, over-under 10,000. Under. Okay. One for one. Over-under A's Orioles in Oakland, 7,500. Under. Yes, you're two for two, Eddie Scazzeri. Over-under for attendance, A's Orioles in Oakland, 5,000. Over. Eh, wrong. We're still under. And this is, by the way, paid attendance, which is usually more than actual attendance. I'll give you another chance to redeem yourself. Over, under, paid attendance, A's, Orioles, and Oakland, 3,000. You should know the answer by now. Under. Yeah. 2,703 fans at a Major League Baseball game yesterday. Can you imagine? That is less than most minor league baseball games. Pathetic. Now, I do believe there's a side story to that because of what's going on in Oakland. They want the new building. I Someone told me, and I have not confirmed it, that there was some notion out there like oh, the A's didn't want you coming to the game. I guess they're trying to make a point. I don't know the answer to that. But here's what I do know. 2,703 people at a major league baseball game. The Marlins had 8,000 people. Place looked packed compared to that. I mean, give me a break. Put him in Vegas already. Hey, what are you doing out there? Anyway, we'll do some on the Mets coming up next. 877-337-6666. You don't call. I'll talk to myself until 6 o'clock. And then Boomer and Geo. then right here on The Fan. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rocking it out on a Thursday morning. <laughs> Who is this? I know the Mac. song. This is Fleetwood Mac, is it really? Uh, speaking of that real quick, 542. You guys are going to kick out of this. I watched. So, I don't know how you guys are. But when you invest your time in a game and the team that you would like to win doesn't, 
you really don't want to hear people talking about them. So I, I told Sal I couldn't listen to him driving in. I don't know what he was going to be talking about, but I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. So I actually listened to a lot of 1010 winds driving in. And then when I got here, because the speaker is on, I, I just couldn't. I didn't even want to deal with it. So I actually went to YouTube as I was doing my research for the show coming up. And I put on a random concert. Don't ask me why, but it was the first one that came up. And I said, yeah, somewhat interested to see what they still sound like. Who even knew they were touring? The Scorpions did a concert in Vegas just last week, and it was posted on YouTube. I'm like, all right, I'll bite. So it was one hour. They probably did maybe maybe 11, 12 songs, something like that. They did a couple that you recognize. I got to tell you, though, they must have done nine or ten songs. They had to have been new because even the people in the crowd, no one was even standing up. It was terrible. Now, they got to the point where at the end they played a couple of songs that you would be familiar with. But they, what would you say the Scorpions were popular? 83, 84, right? So here we are in 2022, and they're not quite playing the hits, which is just bizarre to me. But whatever. Uh, one other one on the net game before we do the Mets, because one thought uh, also hit me that I wanted to say earlier and forgot because I did not write it down. The other thing I took from that game in terms of the superstar power, and make no mistake, the Nets have superstar power with Durant and Irving. Last night, and it's the first time I've seen it, and perhaps it's because of how well and how physical Boston was with them. It's the first time I said to myself, watching those two, they looked old and slow. Like, they looked like they were playing a young man's game and at times didn't belong. Just, just my observation, no one else's. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, Mets lose to the Giants last night. And a couple of takeaways from this game. Number one, you're playing with house. When you sweep a doubleheader, you come out yesterday. I don't want to say playing with house money, but you kind of are. I mean, if they ever got last night's game, you would have been, I mean, riding high looking for the four-game sweep today. And you get another one of these starts, very much like Tyler McGill, where struggled early but kind of fought through to kind of give you some length. And you got that from Bassett last night. But they were and did find themselves in a 5 nothing hole. I thought the fourth inning, they had a good chance where they had a couple of guys on base, and you get the, I think it was back-to-back strikeouts. Um, they just weren't able to push any runs across. And then there were other points in that game where they had opportunities. They put a couple of runs up, as we know. I thought, you know, good old Met, former Met Wilmer Flores made a great play on Dom Smith that would have brought in at least one run. I think it was the seventh or the eighth inning, whatever it was. You had the... The pinch, the wonderful pinch hitting. Robbie Cano, I mean, good Lord. You got that eighth inning. He's in the middle of a rally, and he gives you nothing. But kind of like with the Yankees, you're not going to overreact to one win, one loss either way. It's a 9-4 and four start. Mets out to a great start in this division. They've played good baseball. Come out, win the series now today. You got Carrasco going. You know, go establish yourself early. It'd be nice to see them actually get out to an early lead. Because these last couple of days, it's hard come. Even even if you think about the game, the first game I'm talking about of the doubleheader where they're down 4-1, like it takes a lot to come back from that. It's a few runs, but you battle all the way back. And the next thing you know, you know, you fall behind a second day in a row. It's it's hard to do that for a second day straight. Uh, and they weren't able to do it last night. So not a big My one question, Mike, I'm sure you watched. Did you watch the basketball or you watched the Met game? I watched both, but my focus is on the Met game. Okay, fair. So when you're watching them and you see – I because I I don't know how – there's two different ways to go on this. 
So Marte attempts to, you got a runner at third in the seventh inning, I think it was. He you got first and third. You've got two out. You've got a runner right there in position. And you've got Marte trying to steal. It's odd because I want to give the batter a chance. But at the same time, boy, if he can take second base, now you've got two guys in scoring position and you're down a few runs. I don't know. That to me was like I felt like he kind of ran them out of a potential run scoring opportunity there. He did. I didn't love it, but I don't hate it. Like Twitter was so aggressively, people were out. You know, how do you possibly run there? Marte is such a good base dealer. He has. Been. I didn't hate it. You know, if he gets to second there, then a hit by Lindor gets you right back in that game. I think it's a different feeling. So I didn't love it, but it didn't drive me nuts. The thing that drove me nuts was that you hit on. How is Cano coming up to pinch hit before Jeff McNeil, before Dom Great Smith question. rolls over a ground ball? That's all he does. I just that put me in such a bad mood that it was hard for me to fall asleep even after the game ended like a half hour later. Yeah, no, that was, and I, I kind of wrote that one down because um, it was hard. Again, last night with the Nets, it was really hard concentrating on every pitch, which I couldn't. I watched as much as I could, and I felt like every time I went to the Yankees or Mets, I felt like I got there at the right time, um, and that was one time where I'm like, that's interesting. Okay, And I wasn't even aware of who was on the bench at you that point. You might have been thinking, oh, okay, I guess Jeff McNeil already came up and pinch hit in yeah, this game. I, I didn't know. At that point, I didn't know. I just thought, I'm like, all right, well, this is an interesting spot, and he winds up giving you nothing. So, so be it. It is what it is. Mets will come back out today. Got really cool. You got two day games today at 110. Yankees-Tigers at 110 on the fan, and then you got the Mets at 110 against the Giants. Before we break, so this is one other one. Back to basketball. This is college basketball, though, because this one threw me for a loop yesterday. Basketball season's been over now for a few weeks. For most teams, it's been over for well over a month. Jay Wright has been one of the most successful college basketball coaches that I've ever seen. And part of that is he wins. He wins consistently. He's won two national titles. He's been in one spot for two decades. Still a relatively young man at 60. And he does it by all accounts. And I'm certainly around it now enough the reputation Jay Wright has is he does it the right way. He's not one of these cheating coaches. He's not one of these guys that finds ways to get guys paid. Um, he is supposedly as squeaky clean as there is, and he's just a damn good college basketball coach, just a great basketball coach. So he walks away yesterday, and you know what? Maybe he decided, I'm 60, I, I I don't want to do this until I'm 75 and, you know, life's almost over. By the way, Mike Krzyzewski uh, sitting under the basket last night at the Nets and Celtics game. You know, maybe he feels like I'm still relatively young. I'm in good shape. I want to go enjoy the rest of my life. Good for him. There'll be a press conference tomorrow. And good for the fact that they got their new guy. He was a Kyle Neptune out of Fordham. But where you really feel bad, and I, and I understand you're not going to say no to a job like this. I would never even suggest that. But there is a part of you that feels bad for that mid-major school, a school like Fordham, that brought in a guy. And, you know, Andrew Bogish is a Fordham guy around here. He does the games. And, and he told me right from day one, this is the guy. Like, this guy is going to do it. and We're going to win a lot with him. And they had a good season this year, a, a little bit of a bounce-back season. And now he's gone. One year and out. Again, all the best to him, and you wish him nothing but success. He's gone now, and I know he coached at Villanova for years under right. I get the whole, I understand why, all of that. But, man, it sucks for that smaller school, especially when you thought, as I said, Jay Wright was 60. When you make the move to bring him in off that staff, you've got to be thinking, while, yes, he might be drawn to that former school when the head coach leaves, there is no way 
that anybody at Fordham would have ever thought that Jay Wright would have left when he just left. You had to have thought you had at 60 years old and the success he's had. And when you look at the Big East, no reason why they won't continue to have success. I would think when you're going through that hiring process, you weren't looking for a guy to come in for one year and leave. You probably thought you had him for four, five, six years before that better offer comes. Now, I understand you go to the NCAA tournament once or twice. People are going to come calling. I get that. But there's no way they could have envisioned that. And you feel bad for a, for a school like Fordham. Congratulations to him. Great for him and his family. Good for Villanova because you get some sort of continuity with Jay Wright leaving because he had been there for so long under Wright. But for Fordham, it does kind of suck. And then real quick, and we'll take a break. Uh, and then I have something after the break for the guys that I want to play. The Debo Samuel situation in San Francisco, the Jets certainly are going to be swirling. We got the draft coming up in about, what, two weeks from today, right? Two weeks from today or is it a week from today? One week. That's next week. Oh, cry. Okay. Wow. One week. So one week from today, the uh, the NFL draft. Um, and we'll see what the Jets do. The Jets are loaded with draft picks, as we know. They got those two picks, uh, those two high draft picks. I don't think you would trade one of those for him. But then again, who the hell knows? We'll see where Debo Samuel ends up. You hate the fact that guys do this. But if he's not happy with the situation, and if the organization can get a little bit of a haul for him. And if they don't want to pay him and he can go in a better, it's almost like it's good for everybody. Maybe it works out. Maybe he ends up with the jets. I don't know. Maybe he ends up. I saw one story. He could end up in Dallas. Don't know. What I do know is he's a hell of a football player and he's a throwback because he's one of these guys. Just give me the ball. Don't care where I am. Doesn't matter where on the field I am. I'm going to take the ball and go run with it. I'm going to run you over. Would love to have him on your team. I don't know too many people that wouldn't. All right, quick break. When we come back, I've got a piece of audio to play. We'll play what the hell is that, but without all the extra stuff. I know Flegelman knows what it is, so I'm going to play it for Eddie. We'll see if he can figure out what the next piece of audio is after the break, and then Boomer and Geo at 6. Right now, Odyssey Sports Minute, Amy Lawrence on Devin Booker. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN. Hey, good times. 5.57. We got Boomer and Geo coming up in just a couple of minutes. Nets lose. I've said enough about that. Mets wound up losing. Yankees win. Uh, I want to play this for you, Eddie. Mike, I know you know what this is. You tell me. If you heard it already, that's fine. We can stop the charade. But if you haven't, explain to me what you think this is. North Central is taking the lead here in game one. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. Any clue what that is? No. This was not on SportsCenter? So this was a junior college baseball game. Now, I don't know what the backstory is. Perhaps these two were jawing back and forth all game. I don't know. Kid hits a home run to left field. He's running around the bases. When the pitcher decides to throw down his glove. North Central has taken the lead here in game one. And he tackles him. Oh, like he's oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. Yeah, you think? The pitcher going and tackling the runner as he comes around third base. And when I tell you he tackled him. He's he watching it now. leveled him. Now, it brings up. Oh, that's a hell of a hit. Yes. He looks like a linebacker, yeah. puts his shoulder into a him. A form tackle, perfect. And the kid that hit the home run does get up and goes and touches home plate. 
but he lifted him right off his feet. It was tremendous. But, I, you know, I always wonder, because social media, the cameras, has this stuff always happened and we just didn't know about it? Like, has parent behavior, which is just disgusting across the board, and I'm not talking just youth sports. I even mean high school sports, too. It is, And I don't want to step on Rick Wolf's toes here. But did did this stuff happen in the 50s and 60s, but because people weren't rolling cameras, we didn't see it or know about it? Yeah, I would say it. Stuff like this always happened, but I think there's a guy a... tackling a guy around in third base. Oh, sure, I'm sure that's happened. Come on, you want I a mean, soapbox, Jerry? You're standing up. I am standing up. Why is that a problem for you? No, it sounds like you're on a WFAN and WFAN FM and HD1 New York, an Odyssey station.